The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton. Uh, Glad to be with you to kick off this first broadcast of the new year. Uh, You know, this month I like to, to... just to wrestle with the topic of a, a purpose, um, you know, and one of the first things I want to talk about purpose is even the purpose of, you know, why we uh, do this show. As you remember, a couple of years ago when we started doing uh, the show, Isaiah 61, uh, me and my co-pastor, uh, Pastor Mark Bittengay, you know, we were doing the show and uh, Mark uh, moved on to another ministry. He'll be, you'll, you'll hear from him. Uh, this year, a couple of times, he'll step in and share some updates on where he is in ministry and uh, what's going on in his life. But uh, we just decided to to take a chance to let people know, because a lot of times in our conversation, we would go to pastor meetings and things like that. And people would look and say, man, what what's happening on the north side? What's what, what's what's going on in the city? And sometimes the city can be painted with a bleak, bleak picture. You know, you look at it and you, you see different issues you're struggling with. You see homelessness, you see, uh, you see, uh, separation, division, crime, um, you know, fractured families, you know, you see that there and you, and you see the same things in, in other contexts, whether you're rural or suburban, but because the city is right there, uh, it tends to get on the news and, and the media tends to hype it up a little bit more than what it should. And sometimes you may think that God is not doing anything. You know, what is anybody there? And there's a lot of people that have been called, to the city. They've been called to the urban context. They, they, they labor uh, a lot of times, you know, with, with minimum resources because uh, the people that they serve uh, can't reward them, you know, with an offering or anything like that. And, uh, but they're faithful. And so we, we wanted to not only uh, get on the show and just make our opinion known, but we want to create a platform as to where other ministries could share what God is doing and, and people can hear the good news that comes out of the urban, of the urban area. And and number two is that there's sometimes with any culture, you know, there's a difference in culture. And and sometimes you have to have a level of understanding of how things work in different places. You know, a lot of times people automatically assume because they look at me and say, oh, well, you're an African-American. They think I pastor an African-American church, which I don't. But, I mean, it's easy to assume that. And so, you know, how how do you how do you deal with when you have different cultures and co- and race is not culture. I just want to make that real clear. Race is not culture. You know what I mean? Because there are some people that I would be categorized in the same race as them, but culturally we're like night and day. You know, uh, <laughs> I tell people all the time is that I was raised in the North, but I was raised Southern. You know what I mean? I'm Southern. You know, my door is always open. You don't have to call my house before you come. If you come to my house, I'm going to feed you, uh, you know, whether I, whether I have as my last or not. Uh, you know, it's just a whole different thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to run my house. <laughs> I'm going to run it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and what I mean by run my house is, I mean, I'm going to be in charge of the details. and I'm going to know what's going on. I'm not going to leave it to chance. 
and uh, and and I'm and I'm a disciplinary. You know, I I, I am. I, you know, you know, I tell my kids I am the king, and there can only be one king and one queen per kingdom. That's it. When you feel like you time for you, you get to call the shots. You got to go set up your own kingdom somewhere. You got to have your own domain. And, uh, and and we get along fine. I have seven kids, wonderful, love them. Uh, you know, they're they're nice and independent. They don't ask me for anything. <laughs> That's just a joy. I don't have to worry about anything. But, you know, we want to just communicate that. And that was the purpose of this show is not not to highlight Spirit of the Lord Church and what we do. Uh, some of you know a little bit of history of Spirit of the Lord Church. It used to be called uh, Minneapolis Believers in Christ. It was founded by Pastor Mark Jefferson. And uh, and he went on to plant a church in uh, Aurora, Colorado, and I got the nod to become a pastor after years of doing urban youth work. Uh, and I, you know, I've been working with Youth for Christ and other hospitality house and other organizations and bringing the gospel to young people. You know, then I I stepped into the pastoral role uh, 15 years ago. We changed the name of the church to Spirit of the Lord, which coincides with Isaiah 61, where it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because uh, Pastor Mark Bentengay and I merged churches. We merged our two churches together. His church is in Robbinsdale. Uh, they were a growing house church uh, looking to get a building. And as we were talking, they said, you know, basically, why spend money on two buildings? We can merge together. I don't have a problem. You know, I don't have an ego in that area. He didn't have an ego in that area. And so we spent a year uh, meeting and talking and planning. And then we, we merged together. And, and and that's how we came about. And so that's why I'm here before you today. And, you know, when you, when you with anything you do, you never I never knew that I'd be doing a show uh, by myself. I'm not a by myself kind of guy. You know, what I mean, I, I, I like you know, I like to have somebody with me and and uh, therefore, you know, it was there. But, you know, just as things would go and as God would have it, you know, when he moved on, you know, then I said I decided to keep the show going because I felt like. People really need to know, you know, that there's some good things happening in the neighborhood. So with that said apart, I want to come to you today and look at uh, First Peter. Uh, I've been looking at First and Second Peter almost every day. I get the reading First and Second Peter. And it's been really uh, trying for me because, you know, as as I'm, I'm raising children, I'm entering a stage in my life that I've never been in before. Right. I've been uh, even as a youth worker and a youth pastor. You know, I've always been giving guidance and uh, correction and affirmation. And then now I'm moving into a season where my children are grown and I've never had to parent or lead grown children before. So I find myself leaning on my elders like I leaned on them when I had children. I was like, what do you do with these little things? You know, what I mean? it's like I had to go back and say, now, what do you do with these big things? You know, what I mean, they, that are there and they have children. And, you know, and, and, and understanding what is what is my boundary? You know, when do I back up? When do I come forward? Uh, we have great relationship and things like that. But, you know, there's always that time in your life where you find yourself, you know, in new territory. You know, what I mean, even when you think you got it down pat, you have you, you, you know, you got your sermon style down pat. You got your you got your, your your job down pat. You have your marriage down, whatever you think you have down pat, your exercise routine. Then comes a little curve in there. To, to let you know that life is always changing. And when, when life starts changing, you got to understand yourself and ask yourself this question. What what is my purpose? What is what is my goal? You know, and I have to ask myself that when I'm dealing with my family, what is my goal? What is what is my purpose? 
um, we got together during the week before Christmas and we went down to Branson and we held a family meeting and uh, we're starting a family foundation because me and my wife were givers. And and one of the things that we like to do is, is we love to give to ministries. Right. And, uh, and so as we're able, we always try to do as much as we can, when we can, as often as we can. And, uh, and so that's just, that's just us. And so we figured we want to start a foundation that's geared toward urban ministry that long after we're gone, uh, this next generation of leaders will have another financial resource in which to apply to, to try to find out, I mean, try to fund their ideas and their dreams and their visions. One of the most frustrating things for me, and it's for me now, because every year, you know, I got to raise money for uh, our nonprofit, you know, our, our youth leadership arm of the ministry. And it's not a lot of money by ministry standards. You know, uh, I've learned uh, over the years of doing ministry uh, how to get a lot of bang for my buck. And I, I can get a whole lot of bang for my buck for uh, the, the $70,000 that I have to raise every year. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, I don't want the next generation to spend as much time being frustrated with finances as I was. So we started a company uh, with funnel profits from the company to the foundation. We're, we're raising money for the foundation and we got goals and we set this as a family. And, you know, but while we were there, I had to hit them with what are their goals that God has for them to do. And in first Peter uh, chapter one. Verse eight, it says, you have not seen Christ, but still you love him. You can't see him now, but you believe in him. You are filled with a wonderful and heavenly joy that cannot be explained. Your faith has a goal and you are reaching that goal, your salvation. Right. I told them, the, the, whatever goal you have, you may not know what your major is in college. You may not know uh, whether you want to get a particular job or what city you want to live in. But you need to know one thing, your main goal is the reach goal is with your salvation. It's a process that we're working on but day by day and we can't afford to sit back. We can't afford to be lax. I just explained to them that, that, uh, you know, uh, just our family model. We as Suttons, we serve, you know I mean? We don't sit in pews. We, we, we serve, we wash, we clean toilets. We, we usher, we, we move sound equipment. We do whatever we can. We're not going to sit still. You know, we serve not going to be, uh, nothing wrong with sitting in a pew, but, that's just not us. And uh, and so we were looking at that, and I was trying to get them to understand you have to spend time with God to understand what your purpose is. Because in the, in the previous paragraph, you know, it says that, uh, that that God has laid up for us an inheritance, and he's placed it in a place that can't be destroyed or where it can't lose his, his, his beauty, and that place is heaven. So he, the, he keeps these blessings or this inheritance for us in heaven. And, 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 you know, and we have to tap into that and, and you can't get to heaven <laughs> in the physical. You have to be spiritual. So you're going to have to maintain a spiritual presence and lifestyle to really tap into what God has for you. But you're not going to tap into what God has for you if you don't know what God has for you. And you won't know what God has for you unless you know what your purpose is, because God's going to give you everything you need to complete your purpose. So we had to go back to wrestle with that, that elementary thing, whereas I always emphasize purpose to, to my children, what, why they were placed on this earth. You know, I, I want to pass that down to them that they have to do the same to their children and grandchildren and go down the line because we, we always want to be about our father's business and we don't want to be generic in what we do. We want to, we want to go there. I always share the story of my own life is that, you know, all my mom knew is that she wanted me to go to college. 
I could have went to college and ate the lunchroom and I would fulfill her vision. Now, cause she just said, you going to college, you know what I mean? You going to college. Well, when I got to college and they asked me what my major was, I looked at them and said, what's that? They said, it's your major. It's what you want, you know, what you want to do. I said, oh, business. And they said, okay, yeah, okay, business. Okay, we understand that. What part of business is going to be a major? I said, you got parts? And they said, yeah. And, I, you know, this is this is me, first-generation college student. My mom is, you know, out of the South. All she knew is she wanted better. She didn't want me having to pick cotton like she did or work in a factory like she did. And uh, and so they started rattling off these majors to me. They said, well, you got business administration, you got finance, you got marketing, you got economics. You got accounting, you know, you got, I said, oh, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Which one's the hardest? And they said, accounting. I said, give me that one. They said, why? I said, because it keeps me interested because school is boring. So I figured if I took the hardest one, then I had, to, I, I had to study, you know what I mean? And so that's how I became an accountant. You know, it, it, it wasn't planned. It wasn't there. It wasn't anything. Now, growing up, people would tell me, my elders would speak into my life and tell me I would make a great coach or teacher. And I said, like, coach or teacher? And I, so I looked. They had this little <laughs> they had this little guide, right? Uh, you know, and, and, I, and I even tell kids about it now. They don't believe it exists. But I told them it existed in 77, so I know it still exists today. I, I looked in the guide and it said salaries that everybody made. And I looked at what uh, a teacher made. And back then in 1977, the teacher was making $9,000. And I was like, $9,000. Ten months in the classroom with bad kids, $9,000. All right. I said, let me see what accountant makes, right? So I looked at business, looked at a business account. Accountant was making $18,000 sitting in a cubicle with a calculator. Nobody bothering you. You know, <laughs> I said, oh, it's a wrap. You know what I mean? I was in junior achievement anyway. Winning Young Businessman of the Year Award, I'm sticking to business. This, this is this is where I'm going. I said I am not going down this road. And then I look up 30 years later. What do I do? I teach. You know what I mean? I teach. You know what I mean? Because it got to a point that it wasn't about the money. It got to a point that in order for me to tap into my blessings that were in heaven, you know, what I mean, my blessings that God stored for me, the equipment that God gave me was the equipment of a teacher. You know what I mean? It wasn't of an accountant. Now I still accounting sustains me. It does. You know, I mean, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I think I'm a good tax accountant. So, I mean, so therefore I make enough money uh, from January to April to uh, to to work at the church and not get paid. You know, I mean, it helps me keep my family going. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that when I look at my purpose and I look at what my passion was, my purpose and my passion was was in teaching people, equipping people and watching them grow. And, 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 and I, and I, and I had to end up switching. And I see that so often in times, you know, where, where we see young people go that route. And, and I want you to, to start this year off, you know, if you don't know what it is, where your passion lies, the thing that drives you, the thing that makes you uh, happy or, or the thing that makes you angry that you can attack, you know what I mean? Take time to get with God and find out what, 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 what it is and where, where your passion lies at. And don't be scared of the income. Don't be scared of the money. You know what I mean? God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about some ways in discovering your purpose, discovering your passion. And uh, and then it's a topic we're going to handle all this month.
Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community, Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Solomon was one of the richest men in the world. Abraham's flocks became so numerous he had to separate from his nephew Lot. Peter and Andrew had a fishing business. God's word and truths have enormous impact on business and business leaders. Has the Lord called you or your church for ministry outreach to the business community? Call me, Gary Borgendale, local ministry director, on ideas how to reach the business community through our sister station, Business 1440, 651-289-4412. Hey, welcome back to Isaiah 61. Love that bass line. Uh, <laughs> I can keep bobbing all day long. Uh, I, you know, speaking of purpose, uh, I'm going to be doing a seminar at my church. Uh, we're located at 1001 Penn Avenue North on uh, Saturday, January 14th from 1 to 3. I'll be doing a, a seminar on purpose and we'll be talking about purpose and we'll be uh, reviewing some things and some steps that in a little more in detail than what what I talk about here, and uh, just to see you know where 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 people are and where they're going and where you need to place your time and your efforts into you know one of the things that that I want to share a personal story that might be there with you. I remember I, I had uh, what I like think what they call one of them encounters one time with God, you know, and uh, and and I was a weird child. You know what I mean? I, I was a weird child. I tried everything, y'all. I'm talking about everything. My model was do it twice because you might not like it the first time. So you can let your imagination run wild, and then you probably won't miss nothing, you know, with me. And, you know, one of the things is, is as an urban uh, <laughs> young black man who, um, who definitely uh, grew up with more of a uh, – I, w- I would like to say a, a gangster influence as opposed to thug influence. I was fascinated with, with, uh, with Dungeons and Dragons. I was a, I was a, I was a dungeon master, you know what I mean? And so when I would show up, it wasn't many black people showing up at Dungeons and Dragons tournaments, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's bad enough. I was one of the few black people that had the nerve to show up at a, at a Dungeons and Dragons tournament, you know what I mean? But it, it was, uh, you know, I brought a different style to the game than, than some of my other counterparts because, you know, I was, I cut, kill first in a hot minute, you know what I mean? And it was, it was just one of the things that was there. And, and, and I, and I say that because I was, I was, uh, I, I was really struggling one, my first Thanksgiving as a Christian, I got saved in June. So Thanksgiving is like five months later. And, and I was really struggling with what am I to do? Uh, where am I to go? I had these dreams of owning my own island. I had a lot of uh, contacts, but I couldn't use them because they were dirty. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just was like, didn't, didn't know. I never did anything honest in my life. So I was, I was just a struggle, you know, with this honest living thing. You know what I mean? And I was struggling financially. And, 
and I, and I was sitting there and one day I just got so angry. I, I you know, I, cause I wanted to serve God and, and I just couldn't hear from God. Like some people were. And, and I, and, and Satan was just racking me, man. He was racking me, racking me as far as, you know, relationships and, and, you know, thinking about, man, I need to get married. I'm battling the lust. I just, and so I just got frustrated one day, man. Thanksgiving. I never forget. I came, I came into my apartment. I left the dinner I was at because I was the only one at home. It was like six of us living there. So I was the only one home because they were all gone. And I stood in the middle of my floor and I yelled to the top of my lungs. I said, Satan, manifest yourself because I'm about tired of you. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I, I was not used to the mind game. You know what I mean? That, that, you know, because that's the mind is the battleground. And, and I didn't know much word and I didn't know how to pray. So I was getting bounced. And uh, but the one thing I had that I wasn't a quitter, you know, what I mean, I have I have five roommates. They were all sinners. They said every day. So I was I lived in a denizen, you know, what I mean, but I, I'm not a quitter. You know, what I mean, and, and I and I stayed true. But I was I wanted to fight and all. I know how to fight. I know how to fight. But I wanted him to manifest himself in the room. So me and he could just fight. You know, what I mean, we go handle this, you know, man to man. And and he never showed up. You know, but, but I had to realize this ain't no Dungeons and Dragons thing where, you know, you got hit points and, and I can just roll the dice and get out of trouble. You know what I mean? I'm going to really have to learn how to pray. And I had to learn how to pray. And I had to, and I really did. And I, and I labored. I went to every prayer meeting I could find until I can get to that point. I say that because after that time, a week later, you know, I asked God what my purpose was. And he revealed some things to me. That I thought he revealed to me. But what I ended up doing had nothing to do with what he revealed to me. You know what I mean? I'm doing today what was revealed to me 30 years ago. But from day one, I didn't take that path. And I realized there's a place of preparation for every purpose. Right. You may not see how serving in children's church or serving in the nursing home or, or, or serving, you know, another family has any benefit to you. Right. To what you think you call to you like, no, I'm, I'm called to to youth ministry or I'm called to to the pulpit. Right. But the principles of evangelism are the same, whether you're dealing with elderly, children, kids, whatever. You know, everybody got to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart to the Lord Jesus. We sin and separated all of us from God. And and I had to really, I, I had to be patient, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't seeing in my life what I saw that day. And But I, I, I somebody told me to trust him. You know what I mean? The path is not going to always be the same. He's preparing you for something. And I'm I'm thankful that I trusted them. But a lot of times when I'm 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 counseling someone or or mentoring somebody, a lot of times they can't be they can't see how this time of servitude or this this time of serving in this ministry is going to benefit them in that ministry. And and I and I'm I'm always looking at Paul and how Paul spent three years in the wilderness, you know, being taught by the Holy Spirit, and then he spent all those years. You know, theologians argue was 13 or 14 years that he served in a church. And here's a guy who had the credentials and the education that topped everybody over him. But yet he served under them and he, he served and did what he needed to do until the Holy Spirit called him out. And when the Holy Spirit called him out, he was prepared. But for what he had to suffer, he needed 16, 17 years <laughs> of stability because, you know, drowning and shipwrecking and stonings and everything like that, never having a place to lay your head, you know, and I just want to encourage you today, you know, that don't be discouraged, serve your way. You know, the one thing that is, has kept me 
the one thing that, that keeps my perspective, keeps me happy, you know, uh, no matter whether I'm having triple bypasses, getting run over by vans, <laughs> other ailments I've had, you know, the last in the last year, is that I just serve my way out of trouble. I serve myself. Some people praise themselves happy. I serve myself happy. I find somebody to serve, somebody to bless, and and, and I just keep on moving. And you know, and and now that I I've entered a season in my life where, you know, I'm 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 mentoring the next generation of leaders. You know what I mean? Their their zeal and their energy. Uh, gets passed down to me and, and, and it helps me want to serve even more you know thank you for listening uh, looking for great things this new year uh, you come check out our website www.sotl.org and look at activities and as always no matter what others say or do believe God <laughs>